Hey, this is Maya. And I'm Stephanie. And you're listening to The What Project. Where you'll hear inspiring stories of hope. Hey everyone, welcome back to The What Project. We are so glad that you could join us again. I'm really excited about this episode. I have one of my dear friends here, Hannah. Hello. Hi. So Hannah. Yeah. Come from Iowa. I do. The Born state, and raised the middle state, of cornfields. The state of corn. I don't know why I'm talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently with cornfields, you also get a southern accent. <laughs> but no, I grew up um, near West Union and Owain, Iowa, out in the middle of nowhere. And currently my husband and I live in Dubuque, Iowa, which is uh, much different from rural Iowa cornfields. Yeah. River City. Much different. But it's great. We love it. So Stephanie and Hannah, you have to share with the listeners how you met. (laughs) So I have to say this story is probably the best story of just how two friends came together. Amen. (laughs) So share with us. How did you meet? So we actually met at the what concert? Um, so we, uh, we were both volunteering. Yep. And thank you for volunteering. (laughs) We loved all our volunteers. (laughs) And yeah, Hannah came up with some of her friends that were mutual friends of James and uh, Maya. And then I was just a friend of James and Maya. So (laughs) So we were all friends. (laughs) All friends. But as we were volunteering, there was a gumball machine. And we would always have some prize gumballs. So uh, if the person put in a quarter, got a gumball, and it said prize, they would get like a free T-shirt, a free CD, whatever they, you guys, I guess, had for free. But it's kind of funny. I always feel like our story was the best because Hannah challenged me (laughs) to a chubby bunny contest with gumballs which kids do not do this at home this is a very bad idea i'm not gonna say who won it wasn't me (laughs) (laughs) but long story short i always feel like this is one of those uh things like there's there's a song out there that says hey i just met you and this is crazy (laughs) but here's my number so call me baby that really was our story. That was yeah. our story. We we met <laughs> and we lost contact for almost a year, yeah, maybe. Year-ish. And uh, we got... I got this... Uh, I was graduating that next year. And uh, for some reason, I mean, it's just, it was a God thing. But I was like, hey, I should invite Stephanie, whom I've only met once and had a gumball chummy bunny contest with. At the what she concert. was cool. So I'm going to invite her. And then you like hung out for like the rest of the day. You drove down, which was like yeah. two some hours. It was about an hour and a half. And then, yeah, I hung yeah. out until like the wee hours of the evening. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have uh, kind of just grown closer in the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. So 12. 12. Something like that. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Wow. So how many gumballs? <laughs> Did you put oh my in God. your mouth? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I wish that I did, but I don't. But it it was a lot. It was definitely a handful. Yeah. It I was, mean, it we're talking like 
The yeah. real size. I mean, they were like the big, big ones. They were just, wait, is there yeah, more I than mean, one size? I mean, they were like the average size. Yeah. But yeah. it was very stupid. I don't, that was dumb. It's but, a joking hazard, yeah. so kids don't do it at home. There's probably not too many people that are like, I met one of my best friends <laughs> during a, you know, bubblegum chubby bunny contest. So. Yeah. But with that said, uh, Hannah, it's great that you're here, and uh, let's jump right in. Uh, let's get into your testimony. So, Hannah, how did you get saved? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Thanks. That's what I happen to be here to tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> so, my testimony starts out when I was five. I don't remember exactly what the Spirit triggered inside my heart, but I, I remember just having those thoughts and those feelings of, I know that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to save me. And so I remember pulling my mom aside and I'm pretty sure it was after a Sunday morning service we had gotten home. At the time growing up, it was like a 45 minute drive to church. And so we got home and I'm sure it was on Sunday afternoon when it was like nap time. But I just asked her to walk me through that. And she did. And so we prayed together. And I remember that moment really clearly in my mind. And it wasn't like it was a, like it was this big moment, you know, for me, because I was quite young. But I do remember making that decision of this is, this is what I need. I knew my need for Jesus. Do you remember what you asked your mom? Not really. No. I just, it's more of just the the emotions in that moment. I remember just the that feeling of desperation that this is, I need Jesus to save me. So, so you guys were raised in the church? Yes. Okay. I went to church probably three days after I was born. So, so that's how my mom rock and rolls. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> Actually, it might have been the day after, but yeah. Way to go, mom. <laughs> yes. Yes, I grew up. I grew up in the church. You know, I had grown up hearing John 3.16. I went to Iwana's and memorized scripture. But yeah, and I think most people that grow up going to the church, they have that moment where it's like, oh, I need this to be for me. You know, this isn't just something that my parents do or my family does, but I need this for me. So so I was quite young, but yeah, that's where it started. Yeah, it's a personal choice. Yeah. Like even if your parents believe it or teach it, like each person has to decide for themselves if it's what they believe or not. Yeah. Yeah. So for a listener who is maybe not familiar with what John 3.16 is, what verse yeah. is that? Yeah. John 3.16 is in the New Testament and it's being quoted from the Old Testament actually. And it's the story of the Israelites who are God's chosen people are out in the wilderness. And there were some circumstances around that moment that they had rebelled against God. And there was the sickness that was coming through the camp. And Moses, who was their leader at that time, God told him to raise up this golden serpent in the wilderness. And it was kind of this symbol of salvation, that the people looked at the serpent, they would be saved. So John 3.16, it comes out of that story 
But the verse itself says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so I always, whenever I think of that verse, I always think of that symbol of Jesus is the one who can save me from this sickness of sin that I have inside that will destroy me if I continue to live for myself, my selfishness. But Jesus is the one that wants to give me this life that I can live throughout the rest of my days and even beyond that. And it's, it's, so, much, it's so much more than just a decision. It's a life change, and it's this moment where the Spirit of God lifens you from the inside out and really makes you someone that you were always meant to be. Sin is the, the one that destroyed God's perfect creation in the beginning. Yeah, that's a really important point. Like, what we live through and the world that we're in and the suffering we go through and illness and hurts and, you know, all that pain that we're used to was never how God intended it to be. Yeah. I was actually reading Ezekiel. That's what I've been reading. And mm. um, I think it's chapter 18. It could be a chapter off. But it was just super interesting to kind of read through it because it gives a little bit of like, I feel like the inner thought process of God. And I'll actually flip to the last verse of that chapter. Kind of have to read the whole thing. I'm not going to try to summarize the entire chapter of Ezekiel <laughs> right now. <laughs> Best uh, read for yourself. But this is the verse that just really struck me. It says in verse 32 of chapter 18, For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Mm -hmm. Repent and live. Mm -hmm. And if you just read that whole chapter, it's kind of like this back and forth of God saying he needs to be just, but he also doesn't want to see harm come to anyone. And, but just to remember, like, this death is never what God intended. Yeah. That's a result of sin. Yeah. I always think of a phrase that our pastor, Kyle Rains, likes to say, talks about how death is an interruption. And that's what it really feels like. Someone dies. It's, it's like you know deep down that this was not, it's not supposed to be, you know. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about salvation, sin gets brought up a lot. How would you try to explain the idea of sin to someone that maybe didn't grow up in the church and is not familiar with the words that we use like sin and salvation and needing to be saved from it? I think I would describe sin as just living for myself. I mean, selfish. It's it's about me. I I wake up in the morning and I do things for me. I make money for me. I it's very me focused. I am the center of who I am. And that will never fulfill you. And I think if someone searches their life, if they're living in that sort of way, they, you know, there's always more. There's always more money. There's always more relationship. There's always, you know, more that I want, that I want out of life. I can never fill this hole that I have. And when you're selfish, when everything's about you, you're always taking from people. So it's, it's this process of always getting something for myself and never giving 
and salvation. And my thought process right now is just thinking how God came to save me from that life that I'm living that will destroy me. And realizing that I think is a big part of anyone's salvation story is just seeing who I am for who I am, you know? Yeah. And at the same time, you're seeing God for who he is. Yeah. And realizing like, oh, I'm not the one that deserves praise and accolades like Jesus is and the Father is. And like, that's who I want to live to please. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think of in Genesis, in the beginning, Adam and Eve, God made this beautiful garden and this, there was this harmony between humanity and the divine. He would come and walk with them. You know, I can only imagine what, what in the world did they talk about? You know what I mean? <laughs> like how incredible the creator to be able to walk among just his beautiful creation, enjoying these human beings that he made in his image. And then Eve decided to take something for herself. And shared that with her husband, and even him was selfish in that moment. But they made that conscious decision of putting themselves before what God had told them. And in that disobedience, it was like they automatically knew that they had separated themselves from underneath this protection that God had provided for them. And that's when death and sin entered the world. So it's just that whole process of removing themselves from God's presence, be like, oh, I want to do something for me. Like, this is about me. And it was never supposed to be like that. Right. And that's kind of where Ezekiel comes in and helps us. Because he says, like, yeah, the Lord never wanted this. That's not yeah. what he intended. Yeah. I think that um, just like is the perfect segue to Jesus. Because he didn't want death to enter. He didn't want that interruption in that relationship. So that's why he provided the sacrifice of Jesus so that we can restore that relationship so that we can walk with him again. Mm -hmm. I've been reading through Hebrews and oh man, there's just, there's so much good stuff in Hebrews. Um, and I think it's chapter nine or 10 that I'm in right now, but it just talks about how Jesus was, he was like, God, I want to be that person that creates the mending for this gap that has been made by these humans. And just the selflessness that covers over our selfishness in that moment to create that new relationship that we can have is just so amazing. It's like, who in the world, in their right mind, would be like, okay, I'll sacrifice myself and, you know, one of the worst deaths possible at that time. And maybe of all of time, I'm not sure. But, I mean, crucifixion is horrendous. But just that someone be willing to go through that. And we don't even understand all that happened in the crucifixion with sin and all of that. It's, it's a mystery. But it's like, who would do that for me? Like, mm -hmm. who would do that for me? And that's just, I mean, it's like, I know God was thinking of me, even back in the garden, it says that the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. And like, God was thinking of me back then, even. He was like, I want, but I want Hannah, you know, and whoever's listening that doesn't know Jesus, he wants you. He wants, he wants to give you so much more life than what you have right now. 
and you'll never regret it. It's the most amazing decision you'll ever make in your life. So you kind of filled us in to your original decision to want to follow Christ and that recognition of, you know, understanding that you were living selfishly and, you know, that you wanted to restore that relationship with God through Christ's death on the cross. So can you tell us kind of what happened after that? Yeah. Growing up in the church and in a family that everyone was saved, I mean, I'm a fourth generation Christian in my family. And sometimes when you grow up in Christianity, it's just kind of something you live and breathe, you know, just every day. And my my parents' relationship was pretty rough when I was growing up. And they they got some counseling when I was in my early mid-teens. And that really changed a lot for our family. But my view of God definitely was shaped by my dad. And I think we can all say that about our dads. It's it's easy to transfer the earthly fatherly figure to the heavenly fatherly figure. And so growing up, I definitely craved male attention that I wasn't getting from my dad. And so that was a struggle for me growing up. But then also just, I always felt like God was angry with me. My dad struggled with passive anger. And so every time I would do something wrong, you know, I'd hit my sibling or say something bad or I don't know. I would always feel like God would strike me with a lightning bolt or something like that. I feel like I had to get saved almost every time, like I did something wrong. And I would always, you know, question my salvation. And it wasn't until I was at a discipleship school that God started bringing out all of these wrong ideas that I had about Him. And through that process of molding and shaping me through that discipleship program, he gave me a new love for him and a new surrendering to him that I I hadn't had growing up. You know, I, of course, you know, I love Jesus and I wanted to follow him, but it was like, it was like I was this puppy outside of a house and I had, there's this guy in the house and he's, he really wants the puppy to come inside to get, be warm and get food, but the puppy's scared, but the puppy wants to go because it wants the food. And that's kind of like how I felt with God. He's like trying to coax me into his presence. But I was like, but I don't, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can, if I can be safe. It's like, but I'll be good, you know? (laughs) 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 And, and so it was really at this discipleship school that God just, he really broke down all those ideas, all those wrong ideas that I had and about who he was. and. I know I know they can't get saved twice, but in emotionally and spiritually, I felt like it was just like a reviving from my soul there. And that was a, a real life-changing moment for me at that discipleship school of God showing me who He really was and just how much He really wants to use me and change me and that I'm a woman created to give glory for Him. Yeah, I think that's a really important like subject to discuss, kind of that feeling of being the puppy, like kind of scared, but you also know he loves you at the same time. Because I think what's at the root of that is that we need to understand God's true character. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we look to people to try to 
see what God's character is. And yes, people can be a reflection of God. That's true. But people can also make mistakes and we mm-hmm. are all sinful. So we harm each other. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be careful to actually look to God to see his character and to understand who he is and how he loves us. Because I I just see that a lot in relationships or even church and stuff. Mm-hmm. People can get really off track because they get hurt by someone or, you know, they don't understand a certain thought process or... Mm-hmm. It can get really confusing and muddled for people. But I think that happens when we like take our eyes off Jesus and we're like looking around to other people to try to set that standard. Mm-hmm. No one can have the standard of God. Yeah. And it's true that you're going to get hurt by people through your life, no matter if you know you're loved by God or not. I mean, people are people and sin is sin, you know. And it's true that. Having those moments of, you know, when you are hurt by someone, turning to Jesus and asking him, God, where are you in this situation? What do you say about me? What do you think about me? And I mean, he'll always tell you exactly how he feels about you and what he sees in this situation. And it's very true that it's it's very easy to take our eyes off of what God says about me and what God thinks about me and put that responsibility on someone else that it's not theirs to tell me. Right. It's like if we look to people to satisfy that relationship, we will always be disappointed. But if you truly look to Jesus and his character, you're never going to be disappointed. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, my dad is incredible. Just as a, (laughs) just to say, my parents are amazing. I mean, and I look back to where they were and it's just, it's just a matter of the grace of God and where they've come from where they were. Because, yeah, I mean, we all get hurt by our parents because they're not perfect. But just to see how where their marriage was and where their marriage is now is just an amazing act of God. And they, I mean, they're counselors now and they're amazing. And I just, I can't talk about my parents enough because they're just so cool and I love them and they're awesome. (laughs) But yeah, just just so all the listeners know, (laughs) I love my parents. My parents are amazing. (laughs) And God is just, it's so cool how he redeems what has been broken. Because my parents are coming out of the hurt from their parents. And it's amazing to see how God can he can renew what's been broken even in generations. So my generation, my siblings, we're going to be so much different than the generation they came out of. And that's just because of God's saving grace and how he changes and molds us to be more like him. So you shared with us during your time at that discipleship school Mm -hmm. that you kind of learned to understand the character of God more. Mm -hmm. After that happened, did you see any change in your life or just how you even interacted with God? Yeah. I I think the biggest thing for me was just learning how God wants to be the friend that's closer than a brother in my life. And that that has been the biggest thing for me. And I remember one moment, this was a couple years after the discipleship program, I was just in a very dark place. It's just a lot of depression. There was a lot of other things that were going on. I was away from home. I was living like two and a half hours away at the time from my parents. I was just kind of isolated. And I remember sitting, I call it my Jesus chair. Oh, (laughs) 
<laughs> it's my chair I like to do my devotions in. But I was sitting in this chair and I was just pouring my heart out to God. I was like, I just feel so lost and I'm in this place that's dark and I don't know what to do. My heart is broken. And because there was a relationship that was involved and he met me in that place. And I will always remember that moment of him hugging me. It was like his presence came and just hugged me. And I know that that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone through this kind of tearing down phase at this discipleship program where God showed me who he really was for me and how he wants to be that person that's always there. The good times and the bad times. But that was a moment for me that I was like, wow, God, you really care. Like, you really want to meet me right where I am, even if my life and inside world look very ugly. You know, he wants He wants to care for me and and just be that person that even just listens. And I remember in, in those moments around that time, it was like he would just listen to me. It wasn't like he necessarily had to say anything. And I knew that he just understood. He understood what I was going through and would just hold my heart in a super special way. So that that moment has carried me through many times when I, I felt very alone. Just even in marriage, sometimes you feel alone. <laughs> but, you know, just realizing that, God, you are here with me and that you care. Yeah. I was just talking to my kids about that this week. Um, just that I- idea of having that reassurance of knowing that he's always there. You will get hurt at times. You will be the one that's left out. Like you will struggle, but I've always just found a lot of peace in that relationship and knowing like God's with me. He's on my side. Even if everything else is kind of crumbling, like to have that steady rock. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't always give you an answer right then, you know? Yeah. Sometimes we're like, I just want you to tell me what to do right now. Come on. You know, God's not a genie. We don't control him. He's the one that gives me breath every day. And having that that respect for him of who he is, but also knowing that I'm just so glad that you are here to help me, even through those hard times. Yeah. So Hannah, what are some ways that you, now in your faith, you stay connected to Jesus? How do you kind of keep that relationship and that bond with Him? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is staying in the Word of God. It's, I mean, it can be hard, you know, busy life, whatever. But for me, Always when I've just taken that time to sit with Jesus and open his word, just read a chapter, maybe it's just a few verses, but just that continual, if I can use the word infilling, like kind of like pouring water into your cup, if your soul is a cup, but just the the life that is in the word of God through Jesus' spirit does something for me every day. You know, even if I don't even see it. But I think another big thing for me, and this is more of a personal thing and preference, but it really works well for me is I journal. If I journal my prayers, just writing things down, and I don't know, it's probably just kind of how my brain works, so I don't get distracted. But having having a piece of paper and a pencil just to write down even questions that I have, things that are going through my mind, and just having time to sit and listen to Jesus and 
And sometimes he'll respond, sometimes he won't. Sometimes I write a lot, sometimes I don't. And I'm not I'm not good at my journaling practicing either. But when I do, it's always so very fulfilling to just, and even just to look back, like even preparing for this, I was looking back through my journals and reading back through the different things that God has done. And it's always just so encouraging <laughs> to read your own testimony. But I mean, that's really what it is. But just, it's like, wow, God, you, you've done so much, you know, and even some stories that I was reading, I had forgotten, but it's just having those things written down can always be so precious to be able to look back and read. And, you know, through journaling is praying. I associate that with praying, talking with God, which is so important just to any relationship. I mean, my relationship with my husband always goes better when we communicate. <laughs> you know, I think any any relationship, if it's any kind of relationship, you have to communicate, you have to talk. And so it's not just me talking to God. You know, I'm not just... Like I, like I said before, treating him like a genie. You know, he's not my genie. He's my friend. And I, and I want to know him too. Asking God, well, what are you doing today? What can I do to step into whatever you're doing? Because, I mean, he's always doing something. I mean, his, his purposes and plans are so much bigger than my day. But I think just having that, having that view of God, of he is someone that is working and he's alive and I am just a piece in that puzzle of what he's doing. So I think those two things are probably the biggest thing for me that have been really helpful. Hannah, have you ever been baptized? I have. And it's kind of a an interesting story. I got baptized when I was around 18 years old. Um, it was actually at my parents' lake, and it was very cold. <laughs> I feel like that is a similar story between Maya, you, and me. We all get baptized it's in always... cold rivers or lakes. This is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, the reason why, I'm, I'm sure people are like, well, you know, you got saved when you were really young, so why didn't you get baptized when you were young? Um, for me, it was this process slash struggle of I didn't want to connect my baptism with my relationship and trusting in Jesus, my salvation. And and so it took many years for that to kind of work itself out when I, I felt like I was ready to make that statement as a part of my testimony. I have I have trusted in Jesus. I am being buried and raised to life in him, which is a symbolism of baptism. And so, yeah, it was a very interesting process for me to go to. But I mean, of course, I'm glad I was baptized, but it definitely, I wanted it to be something separate from my relationship with Jesus. So you wanted it to be like a symbol of the relationship you had, but not to get confused with feeling like that was how you were earning salvation. Yeah, definitely. So you talked a little bit about your struggle with feeling God's love. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who is having that same struggle, where they're saved, but they don't feel the love of God and the love of the Father? Yeah. I think the short answer to that would be, ask Him. Ask God, do you love me? What do you think about me? He's not afraid of those questions. And I believe that God wants all of us to know deeper and deeper 
every day throughout the rest of eternity how much he loves us and it may not be a voice it you know it could be a song it could be a verse you know there many different times god has communicated to me his love to me through different things it's not always a voice but yeah i would just i would encourage anyone just open your heart and ask and ask god ask him those questions ask him god do you love me I'll just tie in this story now. There was this time I was I was just really struggling. It was my heart was sore, if that's <laughs> a way to say it. But there was a lot of things happening in my inside world, stuff that was getting, you know, torn out and fixed and stitched up and my soul just felt very raw. And I think it was a moment I was like, God, what like, why am I going through this? I mean, it's not comfortable when God is kind of opening up those closets and pulling out the skeletons and cleaning up those places of your heart that you would rather just stay closed. And I was kind of frustrated just in my inside world, just, you know, asking him, why in the world do I have to go through all this? And and his response to me, I will always remember was, Hannah, I love you too much to leave you the way that you are. And it was just seeing how much God cared for those closets, like for those places where no one else would want to go. But he he wants to go there and he wants to clean me from the inside out so that I can be a vessel that can be fully filled with him. And yeah, it was just seeing that that love that he had for me was definitely a a life-changing moment for me so i would yeah i would just encourage anyone just ask him he'll answer you if you've enjoyed this episode of the what project we'd love for you to subscribe rate and give a review on spotify apple google and amazon podcasts we hope that you have a great week and that you can join us next time on the what project